Hey, 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 are you ready to be courageous today? You are made to be courageous. Welcome all you Courageous Cause Champions. I'm Lainey Friedrich, and this is episode 15 of the Couch to 5A podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this station for upcoming episodes. Today I have a very, very, very special guest with me today. I would like all of you to meet Phil Hogan. And Phil, uh, I was hoping that you could share um, just how you and I met. It's, it's such a, an incredible story and an incredible start to your advocacy. Hey, Lainey. I appreciate you uh, bringing me in on the podcast here and uh, sharing our uh, very magical story that you and I have experienced together back five years ago. So my story begins with um, bicycling, of all things. Um, I was a recreational cyclist um, for a number of years. I went on a few rides around in Michigan, and I decided to sign up for an organized ride in September of 2013 called the Tour de Ford, which is a charity ride. and goes from always starts at the uh, Henry Ford Hospital downtown, Detroit, and then usually goes out to one of their satellite hospitals, either in Wyandotte or Gross Point, which are a couple suburbs of the uh, Detroit area. And normally the ride averages about 30 miles. It's about 15 out and 15 back. And it's usually pretty well attended, and, you know, because it's an organized ride. There's shirts and snacks and good folks and everything. So I actually talked uh, one of my old high school friends into uh, joining me on the ride. We arrived in the morning, and it was kind of cold. It was September 15th, 2013, and uh, it was a little chilly for September, but, you know, not not bad for riding. So we started out, got all signed in, started out and everything, and uh, I was chugging along, doing okay, and actually about, he was going a little bit ahead of me for a while, and then about the 12th mile in, I started uh, feeling pretty energized for a second. And then about another mile and a half, two miles, I started getting some heaviness in my chest. It wasn't pain. It was just like a heaviness, like a somebody had taken like a little bit of a belt or something and was tightening it. I didn't, didn't have any left arm pain or sore neck or any sweating or anything else like that, just a little heaviness. And it got, and I got tired and it was, you know, it was hard to cycle. So I actually ended up pulling over, and there was a gas station that was closed, and I pulled into the closed gas station. It was, it was like, closed under construction and stuff, but they still had the islands there for the gas pumps. I sat down on one of the concrete islands, and I texted my wife at the time, told her I wasn't feeling good, and I wanted her to come and get me, and, um, take me to a hospital here in Livonia where my regular doctor practiced out of uh, because I he knew my medical history and trusted me and I was dead set that I wanted him to be the one that checked me out so she was getting her hair done and didn't you know said that it was going to be a, a little bit of a, a while because she was like right in the middle of getting her hair done so I said all right so I'm sitting there people are you know kind of waving at me asking me if I'm okay and I'm like yeah yeah and everything so 
I, I later found out from my Strava, it's a tracking program on my phone, that I actually sat there about 10 minutes. And then I started feeling a little bit better, so I hopped back on my bike and rode about another mile and a half, two miles. Um, and I got to a corner where we the ride turned, and there was a gas station there, and I pulled into the gas station, and I went inside where it was a little bit warmer because I was cold more than anything. And the chest, is, from that little mile and a half, two, two miles, my that pressure in my chest just was still there. Not any worse, not any better, but not feeling all that great at all. And I sat down. Oh, I went in and I asked the guy, I said, hey, I'm not feeling good. Do you mind if I sit down? And There's no place to sit. I said, can I sit on the floor and lean up against this cooler? And he said, yeah, no problem. So I sat down because I just didn't feel like standing. So I sat down and I'm sitting there and I'm, you know, waiting to hear back from my wife and this uh, tall immaculately dressed African-American man came in to get some coffee, and he said, how are you doing? And I said, I'm not feeling that great. I'm waiting for my wife to come pick me up. Never said another word. He put a put his hand on my shoulder and said, God be with you, turned around and walked out. And everything that happened from that point on to me in this whole story was nothing short of miraculous. So I uh, sat there, and then I started feeling better again a little bit, and I stood up looked out the window of the gas station, and I could see riders were still turning the corner. And I said, well, you know, I haven't completely lost everybody on this ride yet. So I said, you know, maybe I should try to go to the, uh, get to the, the hospital just because my wife isn't that familiar with the Downriver area, which is where we were in Downriver, uh, Michigan. And if I get to the hospital, it's a major marker easier to find than some off-the-wall gas station. So my whole intent of trying to, which I ended up doing, I ended up walking out of the gas station, getting back on my bike and joining back into the ride, what was left of the ride. And so I was, my whole intent was just to get to the hospital in, in Wyandotte, the Henry Ford Wyandotte, just so I could have a major marker for my wife to come pick me up. And so I'm riding along, and that's when you, Laney, come riding up, and a couple of you and somebody else, I don't know who it was, come riding up and say, hey, how you doing? Good old macho me. I'm like, oh, I'm fine. You asked me, you just enjoying the sights and the sounds and everything, and I said, yeah. And then uh, so we started riding together, and about another half a mile or a mile, I started getting the chest pains again. Then I admitted to you, I said, eh, I'm getting a little bit of chest pains. And right then and there, you wanted to stop and call 911 and get an ambulance. And I said, no, no, no. I'm, you know, I just want to get to the hospital where my wife is going to come pick me up. And you said, okay, well, I'm not, I'm not leaving you. I'm riding with you. So we rode, and I later on uh, went and tracked the distance from that gas station to the hospital it was a little over three miles, which just amazed me because knowing what I know, <laughs> I knew afterwards. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, we rode and got into the parking lot, and I got off the bike and got off your bike, and one of the race organizers came up and said, you know, what's going on and everything, and you told him that I was having some chest pains, and he goes, oh, that's not good and everything. 
And I said, no, I'm waiting for my wife. She's going to take me to St. Mary's in Livonia and everything. And then um, you said, well, why don't we go over to the lobby of the hospital where it's a little bit warmer because you could tell I wasn't feeling all that great. And I said, yeah, okay, I'll just do that. I'll go wait in the lobby. So we rode across the parking lot and, you know, literally rode to the to the lobby, and I went in, sat down, and got off my bike. You went in and asked the uh, receptionist if I could pull my bike into the if you could pull my bike into the lobby so that it would be there when my wife came. And the receptionist said, sure, so he put my bike in there and then came back in. I was sitting there, and then you said, you're still having chest pains, aren't you? And I said, yeah, I'm still not feeling all that great. And, and then you said, you know, you probably would be wise to go back and just have them take a look at it in the ER. And I said, yeah, I'll be all right. And then you said, you know, you never know about heart damage and everything. And that's when the lights went on when you said heart damage. And I said, okay, I'll go back there. So we walked back to the ER and got back to the ER. And the triage nurse was there. And there was a woman and a child in the line to the triage nurse. And I'm standing there. It took them 30 seconds or something to clear out from the triage nurse and I walk up and she goes what's your story and I can see behind her the ER nurse is looking at me all you know I'm all on my bicycle clothes and everything and the triage nurse goes yeah what's your story and I go yeah I'm having a little bit of chest pain so the ER nurse taps the triage nurse on the shoulder and says I'm taking him back right now I said, all right so I go back there and she lays me down on a table and hooks me up to an EKG and runs the EKG and tape comes out. She rips it off, runs out of the room, and I'm like, what the heck? So all of a sudden, they're wheeling this, my gurney into this bigger room, and there's like about 20 people flying around doing this and that, and they're shoving stuff in my mouth. and It's just a lot of crazy activity going on. <laughs> I'm like, what the heck's going on? So there was one nurse that was there that she was just like kind of holding my hand and everything. And I asked her, I said, yeah, am I having a, a heart attack? And she said, yeah. And I said, ah, darn. Because really after they put some nitroglycerin oh, darn. in my phone. <laughs> That's yeah. so you, Phil. Ah, oh, darn. <laughs> <I know. Yeah. laughs> like, shoot. So they put, <laughs> That's not what I wanted to do some, today. <laughs> exactly. So so when they put the nitroglycerin under my tongue, I actually felt a whole lot better. You know, the pain went away, and I wasn't feeling bad at all. And so they tried to get um, some blood out of me, and they wanted to start an IV, but be- because of the heart attack and my my blood pressure wasn't all that great, they, uh, they were having a hard time, and they sent in an EMT, and he was trying to get it in my neck, and he couldn't get it. That was that was the, the biggest mess of the whole thing. Oh. So finally, the head ER guy, uh, doctor, they had to bring in an ultrasound, and he had to go in through my groin, and they could see where the vein was just running away from the needle. But using the ultrasound, they were finally able to get it. Oh my God! And uh, yeah, and I saw that, and I saw the head ER guy. He had that uh, EKG they ran, and I could see him talking to another doctor, and his eyes got real wide and everything, and. I could hear him say to the other doctor, he goes, it, it looks like he failed the stress test like times three. <laughs> he said to myself, I said, uh, that certainly doesn't sound very good. <laughs> and then uh, the uh, interventional cardiologist came in, and uh, he was a younger guy. Uh, he was either an Indian or a Pakistani. I think he was a Pakistani. 
National, and, and um, he said that uh, we'll be going into the cath lab in a minute. And I said, okay, you know, fine, <laughs> whatever you got to do. So, uh, so they pushed me into the cath lab, and uh, they, you know, they get they record everything in there, and then they get the uh, the CT scan, continuous scan going, so that when they do the angio, they'll they can see what's going on. So he said that you know he just um, he went in through my groin. He said I'm just going to feel you're going to feel a little uh, like push or something. It was nothing really compared to what they were doing with trying to get the IV started. <laughs> so he goes and he's like running the angio up there, and he goes, Oh yeah, here we go. You had 99% blockage in your main artery to your heart muscle or your, to your heart. Your LED, you got a, what's called a widowmaker, and I'm like, oh boy, that doesn't sound very good at all. So he ended up going in and putting in uh, two overlapping stents where the uh, where the blockage was, and uh, said that the state of my LED was uh, for my age, I was 61 at the time. He said it really wasn't all that bad. He said it was about 30 percent occluded you know throughout the artery which means that I had about a 30% blockage throughout the whole artery which isn't really bad but what what happened was is that that one spot in my LED uh just got really inflamed and it it burst and then my body trying to heal that 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 burst created a blood clot and it was actually the clot that caused What's the blockage okay yeah wow. so he looked at all my other arteries and everything was fine, except for there was one and a smaller artery in the back of my heart that was about, he said, about 60% blocked. And he said, we just watched that one with medication. But the other ones were like 20% blocked. So, um, and, I, and I attribute most of that to being active in racquetball and biking and, and everything throughout the years. I've always been pretty active in sports. So, um, sure. And I've, I came to find out later on that... Um, Nine out of ten people that have a widowmaker uh, heart attack, where they have a 95 or more percent blockage of the LAD, which is the main artery to the heart, nine out of ten people don't make it. They they uh, don't recover and they're they're gone, and they die. Wow. And but the people that do are generally people that were like I was back then very active and very athletic and everything. And one of the reasons I came to understand later on is is that by doing that physical activity and exerting yourself, your body and your blood need, your body and your heart needs more blood and it can't get it. So you start getting these pains like I got with the chest pains rather than someone who's sedentary and active and they have a, a, a clot or inclusion that occurs. And, at, you know, at that point it just kind of like comes on suddenly not, through exertion or anything, <clears throat> and and so it's harder to recover from that as opposed to someone who's a little more cardio fit and, oh. and can see early symptoms of of when they exert themselves rather than when they're at rest. Okay. So having okay. it while you're exerting yourself is better than having it when you're at rest. So if then you, if it's like too far it. gone at that point. Like yes, exactly. You can't unexert, exactly. you know, at rest. <laughs> no, precisely, precisely. So when they got the uh, stents in there and they knew I was going to be okay and he checked out the other arteries in my heart, then the, uh, and, you know, everybody knew I was going to be okay. Uh, the uh, cath lab uh, nurse and there's two of them in there, they start, 
they start joking with me. They go, <coughs> you're our first MI that rode up on, a, on his bicycle. And MI being myocardial infarction, which is the medical term for heart attack. And I said, <coughs> I said, well, now that I have my stents in, can I go and finish my bike ride? <laughs> so they got a kick out of that. So then they wheeled me up to the cardiac uh, unit, and uh, I was uh, like uh, somewhat of a novelty on the cardiac unit because I was the guy that rode in on his bicycle having a heart attack. <laughs> and everybody wanted to come in and see me, so um, <clears throat> I had to uh, I had to be still because of the uh, 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 where he went in in the groin and put my leg out. But they but the, in the old days, they, what they would do where he went in in the artery in the groin, they'd actually put a clamp on there and they they put a weight on it and they and he had to like be totally still. But in the new uh, technique technology device that they have it's a biodegradable thing they put in it goes right in your body where the artery is where it goes in and they leave it in there and it actually dissolves after 90 days which is it's just oh amazing gosh. wow yeah That's so it's it's an easier incredible. recovery yeah it's an easier recovery than it is from when it used to be so i was in the hospital for only two days and then i was was out again and uh um had to take it, you know, easy and, and do follow-ups. And I actually, uh, a week later, did a, uh, a ride down in Detroit on my bicycle called Slow Roll, which is only, they only go like 8 to 10 miles an hour, and they only go about 8 miles, and it's just kind of like a social ride, but, you know, just to get back up on the bike. You did that the week after? I, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know yeah, that. I did. Huh? Yeah, I did. Huh? I, crazy. <laughs> I, <know>. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that was in the doctor's orders. No, probably not. You know, <clears throat> my wife at the time, she she went with me, and every time we turned a corner, she kept going, "Are you okay? Are you okay?" <laughs> and I felt fine. I was I, I felt perfectly fine. It was no 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 problem whatsoever. So uh, so yeah, so I, I I had to go to cardiac rehab as part of the whole process well i should say that when you have a heart attack in a hospital they they automatically put you on four different medications you know one to slow the heart rate down one to, for blood pressure one for um the cholesterol the they give you a uh a statin and um uh, and a beta blocker and then there's there's the, you know four of them well my cholesterol at the time of my heart attack was 130 so um uh, it was Hardly really low. Good. Yeah, yeah. Triglycerides were low. Everything was low. Didn't have high blood pressure. So when I got out and I went and saw my regular doctor, who is, a, is an internist, but he specialized in cardiac care, he immediately took me off three of the four and only left me on the statin. And oh, I was on the statin, and then I also had to be on a, uh, a blood anticoagulant called Plavix because the body tries to, if you don't take the Plavix, the anticoagulant, because the stent is a foreign object in the artery, the body will try to clot it. So the anticoagulant prevents the body from creating clots and, and, and you know, healing scar tissue over the, uh, the, the stent. So, so you then to I had to go that. into cardiac. You still have to take that, or is that, was that just for a period of time? It normally is for a year, and I went back and I saw the uh, 
uh, a year later, I went back and saw this, the interventional cardiologist who actually did the stents. And he said that normally when they put stents in, you're on Plavix for a year. But he said because the two stents that I had were overlapping stents, because where the rupture was in my artery there was significant enough that one stent wouldn't, wouldn't patch it up, and he had to use two over, overlapping stents. He said because I had overlapping stents, is that he wanted me to be on the Plavix for two years. So I ended up on the Plavix till September 15th of 2015. Uh, and to I, the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then and then finally was was off it two years later. <clears throat> so I was only on the in the Plavix, and the risk there is is that you just got to be careful that if you cut yourself or bleed. No, I, I got some stories about when I was shaving and I have a little a little ding cut or something like that. And oh. you know, I'd, I'd, I'd go to bed and I'd wake up in the morning, and you know, there'd be like a streak of blood down the side of my face and. Oh. And the pillow would have like blood on it, and I'm like, what the uh, heck? You know, I was like bleeding out like a stuck pig. So yeah, so they put you on the Plavix, and then they also put you on baby aspirin. It's called dual dual antiplatelet therapy, just to make sure that you don't don't start trying to clot uh, where the, the stents are. And then at the same time, I uh, I uh, went to cardiac rehab. So I started looking trying to understand on my own why this happened to me more than anything and I came to find out that well number one I was I was overweight I'm six foot tall and I was about 218 pounds at the time that I had the heart attack which is uh, way more than I should be weighing and I was I was I would say I was eating three quarters bad and a quarter good because I I do have a uh, uh, background in practicing macrobiotics since the uh, late 1970s, but when I got married and had kids and got into hockey games and soccer and, you know, no time to cook, so forth and so on, it ended up being fast foods, and uh, my wife was never really into the the healthy eating uh, like I was. She was on a first-name basis with the pizza joints all around the house, so <laughs> the pizza would show up, and I'd be hungry, and I'd just go ahead and indulge in everything. So, you know, that certainly was a contributing factor. So after I got out, I uh, and, and, and you, Lainey, had mentioned to me to watch the movie Forks Over Knives as, as well um, when we uh, were doing that whole little thing on, on September 15th, 2013. On our bike ride, on our three-mile bike ride, yeah. our three-mile yeah. conversation. The, yeah, the three-mile conversation that we had while I was having a heart I later on found, you know, found out that that three miles, of course, I was having a heart attack while riding that three miles. So Right. Which probably was, even well before that. I mean, probably oh, yeah. early in the ride. Oh, yeah, definitely, for sure. So, I mean... When I well, you had that, said that you had you had had, you know, chest pains when you were playing racquetball a couple of days before, which yeah, was a couple one of, of the other big that. red flags that I was like, yep. uh, that was like an early warning. This is not the early warning sign. Yes, exactly. So, I mean, I'm I, I he, the, the the doctor said that, uh, you know, it was I was probably minutes away from having a major heart attack because as it was. They, uh, they, uh, when the heart muscle starts dying, there's an enzyme that gives off so they can measure in the blood and everything. And as it was, 
mine was was like a hundred is considered you know, normal what they see in somebody who has a heart attack, and mine was like six or something like that. So, oh, so it had oh. just started. Wow. Yeah. So wow. so so it was they, blocking. They, so was it blocking? Is that why the pains were coming? Because it was getting blocked yeah. and blocked and blocked. Oh yeah, because it, it, like... it was blocked. And the other thing that 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 I read there's there's the, there's the, the heart actually has particularly people that are that are that are uh, physically active and and exercise on a regular basis and <clears throat> push themselves into decent cardiovascular fitness. The heart will actually there's actually these small secondary arteries around the heart that normally aren't filled with blood but when there's a blockage like I have I had with the widow maker if your cardiovascular fitness is is good enough and those arteries aren't damaged with block those little arteries aren't damaged with blockages and everything around the heart in the time of of cardiovascular stress like I had with the blockage on my my main artery those little secondary arteries will actually fill up with blood and supply blood to the heart, which huh. is what I basically think happened happened to me. Um, wow. Yeah, it's it's something you don't really understand or hear about very much, but yeah, it definitely is is um, you know something that I'm almost certain is what prevented me from having major heart damage. Mm-hmm. So on my um, on my post. Uh, Cardio, uh, stress test after the heart attack, um, they found that I had what's called ST elevation, which is which is uh, or, uh, an indicator of of heart muscle damage. It's not responding to the you know the, the electronic signals to expand and contract. There was they, they determined that what they could see from the echocardiogram on the stress test was there's probably a very small spot where the LED goes goes into the heart, maybe about the size of a dime or that is what they, they figure that might not be all that all that well. And and what they the way that I read some articles on it is the way that they describe it is is that when the heart muscle gets damaged, it's like when your when your grass gets brown, you know, you it goes from green to brown only with the heart muscle and you know, and it's not healthy, but your grass can grow back and go green. But with the heart muscle, there's really no going back to green. The muscle's been damaged, and it doesn't have that same elasticity and ability to expand and contract like it, like it did before it actually was deprived of the oxygen and, and, the, and the heart muscle. You know, actually was what it actually ended up doing is it's, it's actually dying at that point from lack of oxygen. Mm. So I was very, very lucky in that regard that that you know, there was no significant damage to my uh, to my heart muscle. Mm-hmm. So after I got out of the hospital and then doing all this research, trying to figure out what's going on, and knowing that my diet was not good and I was way overweight and I had to lose the weight, um, I immediately changed my diet. I walked forks over knives, and I went to cardiac rehab out here in Livonia where I live, and and. Um, between September of uh, the, when the heart attack occurred on September fifteenth, twenty thirteen, and the end of the year in twenty thirteen, I lost thirty thirty pounds. Oh which wow! Was, yeah, which was a significant uh, loss for me. Mm-hmm. Felt really good, and um, the uh, um, nurses at the uh, Henry Ford Rehab Clinic out here in Livonia. Uh, 
you know, when they heard the story and what was going on and everything, they were just amazed. And then one of them came in one morning when I was there, because I'd go in the morning, and she uh, she started smirking at me, and I said, what's going on? She said, you were, you were on the, uh, well, it's not the cover, but it's a, it's an email um, version like of the, uh, yeah, the Henry Ford Health System newsletter. She said, you, you were the feature article. <laughs> <laughs> and they, that's funny that they didn't even tell you that you were going to be yeah. on there. No, I know. <laughs> Celebrity. Uh, yep. And they, she said they didn't identify you by name or anything, but you know the article said about the, the patient patient X who came riding into Henry Ford Wyandotte on his bicycle having an alibi. <laughs> <laughs> they knew exactly who it was. Exactly. There can only be one of those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's funny. So I finished um, finished the, uh, uh, the the rehab. It was a three month deal, and got out and continued my uh, my activity. And I uh, I got more involved and aware of plant based eating. And I had never really even through the mac because macrobiotics they uh, that that dietary style does allow eating of some fish, which is what I would I normally do. I was a big sushi eater. I loved eating sushi and, and would go a couple, three times a week usually. And so as I got more aware and, and, and you know, what more involved with the plant-based movement and joined the groups on Facebook and watched Forks Over Knives and several other documentaries and uh, luckily, I got hooked up with a uh, local cardiologist, uh, Dr. Joel Kahn, who you know uh, mm-hmm. as well. Um, just more than blessed to have Dr. Kahn in the uh, Detroit area here to be able to uh, go under his care. Uh, you know, it's hard to find a cardiologist where you go in and you say, well, I want to change my lifestyle and my dietary eating habits because I think it's going to help me significantly with my cardiovascular disease and they look at you like you're you know with deer in the headlights and you know, right. all they want to do is start throwing pills at you, you know, take these statins and you know in- increase the this and that and everything but dr khan is not like that at all and so uh, i got under dr khan's care and uh and that was you know after i got through the rehab in early of 2014 and and Dr. Khan was one of the um, founding members of the PBNSG, which you and I both are, are Very participants often. in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, the, the plant-based nutrition support group that was started by Dr. Khan and another gentleman who has a, if equally um, dramatic story, if not more than than, than mine, and uh, uh, Paul Chatlin and. Uh, so I got involved with the uh, PBNSG when I think it was probably around four, 400 or so members at that point in time. And it's now, I think, what is it now up to, about four or 5,000 or something? Oh, like I that. think so. I think so, yeah. Yeah, it's it's just grown uh, amazing. And, mm-hmm. um, there's actually, within the last month, a woman at work that um, asked me about my, my uh, way that I eat and everything. And she said she watched Forks Over Knives, and I actually... Uh, um, turned her on to uh, PBNSG, and she 
immediately signed up for a, uh, a uh, cooking class and went and attended a cooking class and oh, loved it. And so, yeah, so you know, it's it's nice when you can uh, pay, pay it forward a little bit and uh, help somebody else out. So I'm I'm real happy that I was able to do that. And I've had some other encounters with other people who have known about or or else were thinking about going to. Uh, Something that's involved the uh, the plant based nutrition support group. So well, plus my, your brother, I mean. Yeah, oh well, yeah, my brother. Story. He, yeah, yeah. So my brother, he's he got himself into a little bit of trouble as well with uh, cardiovascular uh, problems, and uh, he ended up getting over the course of uh, three months last year, uh, getting four stents put in. Um, but he uh-huh. has. Uh, gone completely plant-based and, and, and vegan and uh he's at the point now where he's got some extra weight on him that he's got to he's got to get off he actually went in for uh another angiogram uh, just last week as a matter of fact because he didn't do so well in the stress test it wasn't anything significant but the doctor just didn't like what he was seeing so mm-hmm. the only way they can really tell what's they were afraid that they that he was having stent failure what they call stent rest rest Stent restenosis, which means that it's the the blockage is starting to occur in the stent, and so they were afraid that that's what was happening with him. And they went up and they looked, and they said, "No, it's looking okay." So he's definitely got to get some exercise into his life and start trying to lose some weight. So I keep preaching about him on that, and he doesn't eat he doesn't eat too bad. He 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 definitely is completely off all the dairy cheese uh, coffee everything else and his problem is he tends to like the crackers and you know hummus and which is not hummus is okay but if you get a, the store-bought kind you know it's always generally has olive oil in it which isn't very good for you so he's mm-hmm. he's trying and he's eating more more vegan and more plant-based than uh than ninety percent of the people out there, and uh, awesome. it's helping keep keep him alive as, as well. So, yeah, I'm but, sure uh, you've been influencing a lot of people in the last five years. Well, I've 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 been trying. I mean, I'm you know I I don't like to be like a zealot, what I consider to be a zealot, and you know go out there mm-hmm. and just start preaching to people and saying, oh, you know, you need to do this and you need to do that. Although my children, my my adult children who are 30 years old and 29, I'm always in the email forwarding them about uh, stuff about the dangers of, you know, milk and and dairy and meat and everything else. And <laughs> if anybody on this earth probably considers to me a, me to be a plant-based or a vegan zealot, it would it would probably be them with all the emails I'm forwarding on to them. But for most people especially people that I don't know that well, I don't really like to try to push my beliefs. And generally, I like to try to leave it at where if people ask me about what I'm eating, particularly when people ask me how old I am and I'm 66 right now, and they go, whoa, you don't even look like you're close to being 66. Yeah, you don't, not even. Then well. that's usually the conversation that gets it going into, you know, what do I eat? And and I try to just be, um, you know, a- answer patiently and explain to them that I eat vegan and why I made the choices that I do. And then if they're curious and they want more information, you know, that's when I'll just try to, uh, you know, provide what they're, what they're asking for and, you know, try to um, 
disseminate some of the information and knowledge that I've learned over the past five years about plant-based eating and mm-hmm. plant-based lifestyle. <clears throat> but, you know, it, it, I'd like to have it more somebody asking me rather than me trying to push my beliefs onto, onto somebody. Right, because they're just not ready for the information otherwise. No, no, no. And it's more, you know, it's more of a turnoff. It's, you know, it's like Jehovah Witnesses coming to your front door. Right. Do I really, do so, I really want to listen so to this right true. now? Oh, yeah. food beliefs are so tightly held. I mean, as tightly held as religious beliefs, there's no question. Well, I actually read a quote once where somebody said, you know, it's easier to change someone's religion than it is to change their diet. You and know, that might be true. <laughs> yeah. Actually. Yeah. And a lot of people don't, don't end up Realize making that. dietary changes until they're in a real health scare like I got into. Right. And, you know, they, they need to really look themselves as in the mirror as far as what what are they doing dietary-wise. And then they, you know, make some changes. But they're, you know, on the Facebook pages with forks over knives and, and what the health and even the PVNSG, there's a lot of, of success stories. And you know, one that really sticks out of my mind is, a uh, uh, gentleman who was uh, there the night that uh, Dr. Furman spoke, which his name is Tim Kaufman, and he uh, he was at the point where he was just about done. He was so sick and over, he was over 400 pounds and oh could God. barely move. And um, Tim and both his, his wife Heather, they changed their their lifestyle, particularly their dietary habits, and he now run runs marathons and you know, this amazing amount of bicycling. It's it's like seeing these people that are so sick that can, they can barely even get out of bed and move. And it's not, you know, it's not atypical of what was shown in in that movie, What the Health, about the two women that were so sick they were basically teetering on the edge of death. And, you know, in the movie, just spending three weeks at, at the True North Health Center in California under Dr. Goldsmith, uh, or Goldhammer, uh, care where they, they they use water fasting um, and plant based uh, nutrition and diet for to really kind of shock the body back into a, uh, getting out of an inflammatory mode that these two women showed you know just in a three week period incredible changes uh, in their in their health outcomes and mm. you see those things and it, it really kind of hits home as far as the yeah. power. What's, yeah, what's, for what's sure. I need to see that documentary. I haven't seen that one yet. I've, oh, you haven't seen What the Health yet? No, no. I've seen no, a lot of the other ones, you know, Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead, and, you know, some of the other yep. ones that are really inspiring. And Yeah, know. it's like it's like Forks Over Knives was, was shocking, but What the Health is even more shocking. That, yeah. Um, it, uh, and it, it really drove, when it was released back in uh, early 2017, it, it drove um, a lot of people to plant-based and, and vegan uh, way of eating. One of whom being uh, James Cameron and his wife, who they 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 watched that that movie. And when the movie was done, they went into their kitchen and they threw out everything that that they had in the kitchen that was meat, eggs, dairy, oil. <laughs> they cleaned up their kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> the movie was done, done, and they've become. They've become quite the advocates for for uh, plant-based eating, and uh, they've got a film coming out later this year. Um, it's it's uh, a documentary that's supposed to be uh, pretty good. 
I there's a lot of around. momentum. There's just the momentum year year after year just keeps building. I mean, even in the five years since your shift, I mean, so many great documentaries and so many more doctors are more educated about it, yep. and so many people are more ta- talking about it. Restaurants are offering more of it. Um, yeah. Well, the restaurants are just incredible. I mean, I remember back when I was doing macrobiotics in the '70s, and I. Uh, actually moved back here because my mom was was uh, pretty sick and struggling a little bit in the early 80s, and I actually moved back, and, and the Detroit area was living with my mom and dad for uh, a couple of years just to help support him out financially. And I would, you know, and I was pretty pretty heavy into macrobiotics at the time, and I, I was looking for vegan macrobiotic-type restaurants around, and it, there was, you know, we in-season had just opened up i was living with a a girl in in royal oak for um, almost a year and she lived about three or four blocks away from in season just when it opened way back in the early 80s (laughs) and i remember i used to walk i used to walk to brunches there the brunches that they they had on sundays and uh, i really enjoyed that i used to go out to ann arbor that's how far i'd have to go to find something and go to eden foods had a little uh restaurant cafe out there there was seva and and eden foods i mean basically it was going out to ann arbor if you wanted to get any kind of decent decent vegan food or you know anything that was even close to being macrobiotic back then hmm. but it's okay. you know right and now we've got green space and you know it seems like there's a new vegan restaurant opening up every three or six months or you're you know hearing about and seeing about on the Detroit Vegans Facebook page about new restaurants that are offering um, um, vegan fare, particularly with what came around in the last year, year and a half with these plant-based burgers, the Impossible Burger and the Beyond Burger and what they can be used in as far as uh, vegan tacos and you know all the different variations that they can use. But Unfortunately, a lot of people don't understand that although the Impossible and the Beyond Burger are a healthier choice than eating beef or chicken, they're still pretty loaded with saturated fat, unfortunately. Not something that you want to be eating every day. That's right. Kind of like a gateway faux meat, you know, where hopefully it'll transition people. You know, you don't want them to kind of live in that step of that food. Um, Right. But it is it is a way to get them thinking in a new way and you know experiencing new flavors. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, it's, it's, like, it's like it's like right. It's like the vegan cheeses they've got. They're much much better than they used to be. But again, they're 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 pretty loaded with saturated fat. So you know you want to use those like as a you know special occasion and stuff. Right, right. That's why I love I love Pisai in downtown Detroit. They've got the best vegan pizza around, but it's just, you know, you just got, <laughs> that's got to be an exception, you know, like a special treat every, 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 every blue moon rather than anything that's uh, uh, on a regular basis. Otherwise, you're just asking for trouble. I actually watched a video Dr. Khan had posted on Facebook uh, today about some patients that came in, and one of them was having trouble uh, losing weight and, and, you know, seeing positive results, and it turned out that, that when Dr. Khan went through the history and the workup and everything, it, that, that this person was uh, pretty much uh, addicted to Beyond Burgers and was eating way too many Beyond Burgers, and you know that, that was oh no really 
pardon the pun, but you know, the heart of the problem and <laughs> they needed to make a healthier choice like Dr. Khan said, you know, should have gone, you know, should should be going for a like a quinoa black bean burger or, you know, a, a, a good homemade healthy veggie burger. But that's a big transition for some people to get over yep. You know, what I call 101, which is the neck up, you know, decision making about food. You know, Dr. Yep. Khan wants people to think about it below the neck, but so many people, it's got to look familiar and taste familiar and smell familiar, you know, and if it doesn't, they, they don't want to have anything to do with it. So, I mean, that's where right. those Beyond Burgers and things help meet people in that space. And then over time, you know, maybe just try introducing different flavors, but it's it's too big of a shift for a, a lot of people. It is, and I've read numerous posts, particularly by women, on the different plant-based groups that I'm on on Facebook about, you know, they they seem to be more clued in to the benefits and stuff, and they have problems trying to bring their husbands along and and one of the things that helps that in a lot of cases is the, you know, the post that they're able to use impossible burger sausages or, you know, crumbles or something like that, that they can get their husband at least off of the, 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 the meat and the dairy and so forth and get him at least using plant-based type substitutes Although it's a, mm-hmm. like you say, it's a transition type food, but at least it gets the momentum going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they probably do. I would imagine they get some health benefits from it. You know. Obviously, oh yeah, definitely. Obviously, the, I mean, you, you know, know it benefits the animals and the environment and everything like that from oh, using yeah. plant yeah. products for right. your source of the food instead of an animal. But um, you know, hopefully, then if people start to feel a little bit better you know, then they're like, hey, there's something to this. You know, I don't think you, sometimes you don't know how bad you feel until you start to feel better. That's, and then you're that's like, so oh. true. That is so true. <laughs> I didn't like that other well, feeling. <laughs> yep, exactly. Well, and it's, and it's all got to do with, it, you know, you, 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 you eat a certain way and, and a lot of it is just going up through your childhood where, you know, you really didn't have a choice as far as what you ate. It was your parents who were choosing for you. And you you carry that into your younger, you know, year, your 20s and your 30s and your 40s. And as you, you get older and your body doesn't, particularly if you're eating, you know, heavy standard American diet type, type fare and your body gets in, into a more inflammatory state and mode, and that's the way you've always eaten, and you really don't know or understand any kind of difference between that. Like you say, you really just kind of get used to this must be the way that I live rather than you know, when you change and you eliminate all the inflammatory foods and you're, that, that inflammation just kind of like cools down, the energy comes back, and the, you know, the, you're not, like your body's not constantly fighting this inflation and you, you have so much more energy and you don't feel as stressed and, you know, then you go, wow, what a difference, you know. <laughs> like, I'd like this every day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Find me out. Some people go, some people actually have posted that, that, that they were, you know, why hasn't this information been available to me? You know, they're actually kind of like angry and mad that, 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 that this was all like, and, 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 you know, then you get into the whole discussion about how the, the meat and, and, you know, the big ag 
the egg, egg business, the egg bureaus and the big egg and the meat and dairy industry make up all these studies to hide with their pseudoscience to hide what the real science is and nobody mm-hmm. really gets the, the right and the correct information that they need in order to make the the correct choices for their diet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the information's been out there a long time. but Oh, yeah. You know, people just... Yep. You got to be ready yep. for listening to it. Yep. But yeah, Absolutely. I think it is. The more celebrities can get, you know, can um, talk about it, you know, then then it then it starts to get stickier with people in their head. You know, it's you plant the seed, but that seed is stickier when it's coming from people that are kind of you know larger than life or an authority figure like a doctor or you know someone that they respect and. It just depending on who the message is coming from. Sometimes it yeah. <laughs> goes yeah. well, over a Bill lot Clinton better. With his, his little deal, I mean, that 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 brought a lot of uh, um, awareness to the uh, mm-hmm. uh, to the movement uh, for sure. Movement, yeah. With with his, uh, he had a lot of cardiac problems, and uh, you know, ended up having bypasses and so forth, and. Ended up going vegan and, and turned his health around, and uh, is you know, doing so much better than he was. Well, I just I know it's just been such <laughs> it was a thrill for me that day. I mean, I was just I was so pleased when I got the call from your your wife that day that you know the, what the outcome was and that you'd you know been taken care of at the hospital and and I was just I was so thrilled and then you know that we were able to keep in touch and and it was the next year right that we rode that road to ride together yes yep it sure was, was, was which was fantastic yeah you know yep. both be volunteering because I was volunteering the one year and then here I saved your life and you came along and you volunteered the next year yeah <laughs> exactly which exactly. is great, but it's, yep. and it's just such a joy to volunteer with you at the plant-based nutrition support group events, you know, when the doctors come in and people, you know, are, new, are very new to this and are learning it for the first time, and, and I see your posts yep. on Detroit Vegan, so it's just been great that, you know, you're, uh, you know, you're such a great advocate for this now, and obviously there was a lot of life left in you, and <laughs> lots of Lots of things that you were meant to continue to contribute to this earth. So yeah, I, uh, I I really enjoy the uh, the participating and the volunteering with the uh, plant-based nutrition support group, and uh, yeah, you can see the new people that are coming in there, and you know, try to give them a little extra special attention, and saying hello, and make them feel warm and um, you know at ease when they come in, and that you know again what we went back what we were talking about earlier. You know, not trying to shove beliefs down anybody's throat and right. being uh, open-armed and not being judgmental with, with these people. You know, somebody that's coming in and is just curious about it, for example. Yeah, it's about just showing people, hey, this this is a great thing. You know, you're well, you know, you're welcome here if you want to come on board. You know, and just kind of kind of make them, you know, wish that they were experiencing what you're experiencing, or you know, enough to ask about it. Yep, exactly. Feed them, exactly. feed them yummy food. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh well, you know I love you very much, and I was so honored to be your guardian angel that day. And continue well, you to... always will be my guardian angel from 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 that day on when I met you till the end of my life. I, you know, I still get a chuckle out of when we were at the uh, at the Veg Fest in Royal Oak, and 
I walked up to your table, and I was very, very crowded and crazy, and I just happened to find you, and there was a, uh older woman there at the table who I didn't know, and I slid up there, and you said, oh, Phil, and you said, I'd like you to meet my mom, and, <laughs> and I met your mom, and I said, I said to her, oh, you're the one who's who has, and I said, oh, your daughter's the one that is my guardian angel that saved my life, and your mom looked at me and her, and her raised her eyebrow, and she says, oh, you're the one. <laughs> <laughs> you're that guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. and that's how I always introduce you, too. You know, I'm like, oh, yeah, this yeah. is Phil. I saved his life. and <laughs> It's a great story. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It was all good. Yeah, they did a uh, the uh, uh, Wyandotte-Herald newspaper actually did a uh, uh, an article uh, well actually the they sent a photographer out and took a picture of me with my bike and then um, asked me to actually write the story which I did and they basically published it in the newspaper as I wrote it and it was under my byline it's, it's like a guest column oh nice awesome yeah. awesome <laughs> That's great. And then you spoke. You spoke when we the year we volunteered um, yeah. the next year at the ride too, and yep. told your story to the yep. volunteers and the people that were at the ride. That was really special. I gotta get yep. you uh, up on stage at PBNSG one of these days to tell your story. Yeah, when they get when they get uh, when they get low on uh, people to speak, they can they can <laughs> turn to me. Then. <laughs> In the meantime, we'll just uh, give everybody the link to this podcast. <laughs> Yep, exactly. Awesome. Well, great catching up, and uh, thanks again for reliving that that wonderful story. And yeah, for and I'm uh, you know again I'm 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 doing real well now. And I uh, uh, before we came on, you and I spoke briefly, and I just wanted to throw in there that I uh, back in May I had a uh, 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 follow up EK what they call a echo EKG where they uh, they actually measure your uh, f- heart function by putting you on a t- treadmill stress test, and then they you run for a while, and then you jump off and you lay on the table, and the echo or the uh, cardio stenographer takes a uh, echo cardiogram of your heart to see how you're functioning under stress on the uh, tread from the treadmill uh, workout. And uh, the nurse that was running the treadmill said that, uh, kept asking me, are you doing okay, are you doing okay? And I said, yeah, I'm doing great and everything. And she kept increasing the incline, and she made a comment to me that you, I was doing better than guys half my age. And then the uh, cardiostenographer said everything looked good and sent it to Dr. Khan. Dr. Khan looked at it and said it all looked good. So, you know, yay to the power of plant-based eating and everything. Cause I, I am completely off all medications except I take a baby aspirin uh, oh, like before before I go to bed, and that, that's it. That's that's all I take, other than you know some supplements that Dr. Khan has uh, uh, recommended. That's so, awesome! Awesome! Yeah. Exciting. Okay, well we will uh, we'll catch up at the next uh, PBNSG event, um, Dr. Let's see, uh, Furman's coming in January. Furman back, yeah. And I was going to say, make sure you send me out the uh, the invite for the volunteer because uh, um, I should be ready to go to uh, to volunteer for that one. Okay, that sounds great. I'll do that.
Thanks, Bill. Okay. All right, Talk thanks. To you later. Namaste. Okay. Bye. Okay.